Judges chapter 9, if you take your Bible and head that direction. Judges chapter number 9. The uh, story in Judges chapter 9 is a little bit lengthy tonight. I'm going to read uh, probably several verses with you. I hope that you'll follow along to be able to kind of get the story in your mind, the story of Abimelech in Judges chapter number uh, 9. Let's go ahead and pick it up in verse number 1. We'll read a few verses here. The Bible says in Abimelech chapter 9 verse 1, And Abimelech the son of Jerubbabel, that is Gideon by the way, went to Shechem unto his mother's brethren and communed with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Speak, I pray you, in the ears of all the men of Shechem, whether it is better for you either that all the sons of Jerubbabel, which are threescore and ten persons, reign over you, or that one reign over you. Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. Verse 3, And his mother's brethren spake uh, of him in the ears of all the men of Shechem, all these words in their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. And they gave him three score and ten pieces of silver out of the house of Baal Beeroth, wherewith Abimelech hired vain and light persons which followed him. And he went unto his father's house at Orphrah and slew his brethren, the sons of Jerubbabel, being three score and ten persons upon one stone, notwithstanding yet Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left, for he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem gathered together in all the house of Milo. And went and made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem. And when they told it to Jotham, he went and stood at the top of Mount Gerizim and lifted up his voice and cried and said unto them, Hearken unto me, ye men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. I'm going to stop right there. Um, I hope that you'll, un reading the story, uh, understand that what he did is he killed 70 of his brothers. Abimelech did. And uh, what's going to happen next is where we want to take the story from tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, would you again please speak to us in a real way. Help us, Father, have an understanding heart. Give us wisdom beyond our years. Lord, bless your people. Lord, whatever burdens they're carrying, would you lift them? Lord, if there's a backslidden person tonight, help them draw back to you. If there's someone lost tonight, help them to get saved. Lord, whatever you want to do in this service, may you again do it according to your perfect will, and may you be honored for it. Thank you again for allowing us to gather together. Thank we can sing about you and what they sang a moment ago. Thank you for your son Jesus dying for us. Now, Father, help us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church family, most of you know the story of Gideon. Um, Gideon's 300 men. Of course, Gideon goes to battle, and uh, with 300 men, God gives him the victory. After the victory is over with, Gideon, the children of Israel come to Gideon. And remember now, this is the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. They come to Gideon and say, hey, listen, we want you to reign over us. And Gideon said, no, I'm not going to do that. All right, so back up one chapter. Let me just show you those two verses real quick. In Judges chapter number 8, Look at verse number 22 and 23. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of the Midianites. All right, now the Midian. We understand the 135,000 Midianites were killed because God used Gideon with basically a pitcher, uh, a trumpet, and um, sword? Lamp. That's what it was, all right? I'm glad you all could join us tonight. All right, so lamp. So, and then, uh, of course, God gave the victory over 135,000 uh, Midianites. So after the war battle was over, they come to Gideon and said, Gideon, we want you to reign over us. Look what Gideon says in verse 23 of chapter 8. He says, And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. Read the last phrase, verse number 23 together. The Lord shall rule over you. All right, now, so <clears throat> Gideon... Uh, he says, now listen, we have a theocracy, not a monarchy here. God's going to be the one that rules over us. God's the one that gave the victory. And Gideon, mentioned in the Hall of Faith, he pointed them to God. By the way, Gideon, did, I think he did the right thing. I think he said, hey, listen, this is not about man or what I can do. This is what God has done for us. And he pointed them to God. Gideon passes away. Gideon had 70 sons, and then he had one son that was from a concubine. All right, so 
obviously, multiple wives is not, is not right. God said that from the very beginning. God made Adam and Eve. He didn't give uh, Adam several choices. And, okay, you're going to have all of these. But, obviously, in Bible times, God tells the good and the bad about Bible characters. And so Gideon had several wives, had 70 children. He had a concubine that was not his wife. And Abimelech was born from that concubine. In Bible days, a child that was born from a concubine had no inheritance, only those that were the children. So Abimelech, who is a son of Gideon, goes, of course, son of a concubine, goes to his own people, the men of Shechem, and he says, now listen, do you want the 70 sons of Gideon to rule over you, or would you rather only have one person rule over you? And let me remind you, I'm related to you, all right? That's what he says in the previous verses, chapter number nine. And they said, we'd like to have you rule over us. So guess what they do? They go back, and he takes vain and light men with him, and he kills the 70 sons of Gideon. Now, the only one that is spared is Jotham because he was hiding. And Jotham, he goes for the coronation of King Abimelech with the men of Shechem. And from a distance, Jotham is going to say something to the men of Shechem as well as to Abimelech. All right, and that's what I want you to notice next. He's going to give this parable in verse number 8. The parable goes from verse number 8 through verse number 15. And that's our message tonight is this parable. Look at verse number 8. What does Jotham say? The trees went forth on a time to anoint a king over them. And they said unto the olive tree... Rain, rain thou over us. But the olive tree said unto them, Should I leave my fatness wherewith, me, wherewith uh, by me they honor God and man and go to be promoted over the trees? And the tree, trees said to the fig tree. All right, so verse number 8 and 9, the olive tree. Verse number 10 and 11, the fig tree. And the tree said to the fig tree, Come thou and reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit and go to be promoted over the trees? Then in verse number 12 and 13, the vine. In this parable of the election of the trees we find first in verse 8 and 9 the olive tree is is nominated and the olive tree says i refuse the nomination i'm not going to be elected to be the, the ruler of the trees this is the parable this is the story that, that jotham is giving he says then the tree said they went to them in verse number 10 and 11 went to the fig tree and said listen we want you to rule over us and the fig tree said i i can't accept your nomination uh, to be the ruler of the trees i just can't do that then they come to the vine. Look at verse number 12. Then said the trees unto the vine, Come thou and reign over us. And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? Verse 14. Then said all the trees unto the bramble, Come thou and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow. And if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. All right, now, hopefully you're seeing what's going on here in this short little story. Is Jotham is giving this parable. He sees Abimelech, who had just killed all 70 of his, of his brothers, and he sees the men of Shechem around him, and he's yelling from Mount Gerizim, and he says, Hey, I want to tell you a, a little story. There was this, these trees of the forest. They decided they were going to elect somebody to be their king. And he said, they, they came to the olive tree and they said, olive tree, we want you to be the one who reigns over us, the one who be king. And the olive tree says, no, I can't do that. He says, my olive oil, it's for God and for man. He says, I can't do that. So then they decide, okay, that's not going to work. So they go to the fig tree. And the fig tree says, I'm sorry, I cannot be the ruler of the trees because my figs are a help to others and the fruit that I give, I don't have time to be the president or the leader of the trees. Then the Bible says in this story that Jotham is given, he says they went to the vine and they said, vine, we want you to be the ruler of the trees. And the vine said, no, we can't do that. He says, my wine, my juice that, that I produce is more important than me being the leader of you, uh, of you trees. And so then the trees, they decide we're going to go to the bramble. Now, the bramble was uh, like a, a thistle. 
It was uh, just branches. There was no fruit involved. It was bramble. It was what we would burn. And so they come to the bramble and say, listen, would you be the ruler over us? He's telling the story. And you can see Jotham yelling the story across the way. And he says, the bramble said, yes, I'll be the king over you. Now, we obviously understand what the parallel is here. We understand from chapter number 8 and chapter number 9 that Gideon had the opportunity to rule over the children of Israel, and he said no. Now, think about it. And the three, uh, the three at the beginning, the olive tree and the fig tree and the vine, are all a picture of Gideon telling the children of Israel, no, I'm not, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. We're going to let God reign over us. The bramble is a picture of Abimelech. Abimelech was the one that went to try to be king. He goes to the men of Shechem and says, hey, listen, would you want 70 men ruling over you? You want me to rule over you? And remember, I'm your brother. You ought to, you ought to, hire, you ought to elect me to be the ruler, the king over, over you. And I remember now the book of Judges. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, in this story that Jotham gives, he also gives a curse that's involved because obviously Abimelech did not do right. Look at the next verse now in verse number, um, verse number 16. Now, therefore, verse 16, if ye have done truly and sincerely and that ye have made Abimelech king, and if ye had dealt well with Jerubbabel and his house and have done unto him according to the deserving of his hands, for my father fought for you and adventured his life far and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. And ye are risen up against my father's house this day and have slain his sons, threescore and ten persons, upon one stone, and have made Abimelech the son of his maidservant, king over the men of Shechem, because he is your brother. If ye then have dealt truly and sincerely with Jerubbabel, that's Gideon, with Jerubbabel and with his house this day, then rejoice ye in Abimelech and let him be rejoice in you. But if not, here's the curse, let fire come down out from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem, and the house of Milo, and let fire come also, I'm sorry, and let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from the house of Milo and devour Abimelech. And Jotham ran away and fled and went to Beer and dwelt there for fear of Abimelech, his brother. Verse 22, when Abimelech had reigned three years over Israel, what's the first two words in verse 23? Now, this, I know this is a long chapter. I'm not going to read, I don't think we're going to read the rest of the chapter tonight. It goes to verse number 57. But I want to tell you something. God does not always take care of things in our timetable or when we think it ought to be done. We look at a person's life and think, why doesn't God take care of that? Well, I want to tell you why he doesn't, because you're not God. And God has an order, and God is all-knowing, so he knows exactly when the right time is to take care of something. You can look at the scripture. You talk about to the very day, to the very minute, to the very second, that God knows exactly when something needs to happen. And, I, and you talk about knowing uh, all the pieces to the puzzle, that this is going to trigger this, and this is going to trigger this, and this is going to trigger this, to do what God wants here. So we look at this and we think, why did God wait three years to take care of this? Because he's God. But he takes care of it. All right? And we know from the rest of the story what's going to happen. The men of Shechem are going to cause a lot of trouble for Abimelech, and Abimelech is going to burn a tower over the men of Shechem. All right, now let's jump to the end of the story now. Let's read the last couple of verses here. Look at verse number 49. And all the people likewise cut down every man his bow and followed Abimelech and put them to the, to the hold and set, hold on the, uh, set the hold on fire upon them so that all the men of the tower of Shechem died also about how many? A thousand men and women. All right. Now, verse number 50 Abimelech's going to try to do this at the next city also. In verse 53, And a certain woman cast a piece of a millstone upon Abimelech's head and all, that, and all to break his skull. Then he called hastily unto the young man, his armor bearer, and said unto him, Draw thy sword and slay me, that men say not of me. A woman slew him. 
and his young man, uh, young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man unto his place. And don't miss verse 56 and verse 57. Thus God rendered the wickedness of Abimelech, which he did unto his father, in slaying his 70 brethren, and all the evil of the men of Shechem did God render upon their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubbabel. Now, I know we did a lot of reading tonight, but I just want you to understand the story. And I want to deal with the, the parable of the trees. The parable that Jotham, as he's talking to the men of Shechem, about them making Abimelech king. They shouldn't have done that. Now, just remember, listen to me tonight. And again, I, I know we've done a lot of reading. I want you to grab your attention now. You, you, you ever been driving down the road? Side note. You ever been driving... Since you're not with me, I'm, not going, to, I'm going to go into the direction real quick. You ever been driving down the road and been tired? What do you do when you want to wake yourself up? Shake your head. You know, you drink a Mountain Dew or coffee. You do something to, to get your attention, all right? You have no Mountain Dew. You have no coffee, okay? So do something. Shake yourself. Don't miss what, you got, what we have tonight, all right? So if you're with me so far, say amen. amen. All right, now that we have the story laid, let's give the principle and the truth that the Lord has for us tonight, all right? In this particular story, when Jotham goes and he talks about them wanting a king, the trees wanted a king. Picture of the men of Shechem. The trees wanted a king. And they go to the, uh, the olive tree. They go to the fig tree. They go to the vine. It's a picture of Gideon. Gideon said, no, I've got too much to go on. I can't do those kind of things. We're not going to do that. But then he goes to the bramble. Picture of Abimelech. Abimelech didn't produce any fruit. Abimelech was not a, was, couldn't be a king. And so he's the picture here. Jotham makes this curse. He says, listen, fire is going to come out of, of Abimelech to the men of Shechem and vice versa. And by the way, they both kill each other. That's exactly what happened. That the curse came about. Now, here's the principle I want to draw from the parable tonight. Abimelech wanted to be king. Abimelech wanted to be the ruler. Abimelech wanted to be the person that was in charge. You know, can I just tell you that that is a, a fleshly uh, sin of all of us wanting to be first, wanting to be the one in charge, wanting people to answer to us. We all have that tendency inside of us that we want people to answer to us and we don't want to make ourselves answerable to others, all right? So this parable here about being king, I want to point out some things about if I can show you from the olive tree, from the vine, and from the fig tree, which again is a picture of Gideon, that reminds us it's not about us being in charge or us being the king or us doing what we want to do. It's a matter of what Gideon said before he died, let the Lord reign over you. Let the Lord reign over you. Let the Lord be in control of your life. Let the Lord give you the direction that you need. You don't need, now remember what Gideon was saying. He said, you don't need me, you need him. We didn't kill 135,000 Midianites because of my special general, being a special general or having good tactics. We saw 135,000 Midianites die because there's a God in heaven. He's the one that's supposed to be in charge of our families, our lives, this church, and even our nation. But tonight, can I just point out some things about the parable? Let me quickly, here's the first one. I want you to notice in this parable when he talks about, again, the uh, olive tree in verse 8 and 9, the fig tree in verse 10 and 11, and the vine in verse 12 and 13. I want you to notice that every one of them, uh, in, in all three of the first situations, they all said to themselves, hey, listen, I can't do this. Think about it. In verse number 9. Verse number 8 talks to the olive tree, reign thou over us. Verse number 9, but the olive tree said unto them, should I leave my fatness, wherewith me, by me they honor God and man and go to be promoted over the trees. In verse number 11, uh, same thing. But the fig tree said unto them, should I forsake my sweetness? Uh, in verse number uh, 13, and the vine said unto them, should I leave my, my wine, which cheereth God man? I, I don't know if you see this or not. 
Again, God's giving us a fictitious story to teach us a spiritual truth. What's what we call a parable. Uh, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Something, something they could relate to. Now, we know those things don't really, this didn't really happen. But in the story, can I just, can I explain it in my own words? They said, the job God's given me is too important for me to be king. Now, think about it. The olive tree produced olive oil. Figs produ a fig tree produced figs. The vine produced fruit for the wine that he's talking about, talking about juices. Now, think about it here. In the parable that he's using, and I know it's picturing Gideon, he's trying to teach this principle of, hey, listen, I've given, been given a, a job, and my job is too important for me to let it go so that I can go be king. Now, listen to me, church family. If we have this mentality that we are going to be the one that's king, I'm going to do what I want, no one's going to tell me what to do, people are going to be answerable to me, I'm just going to try to tell you that you're going to forget you have a job that's more important than that. Amen. You have a job that God's given you as far as his will for your life that is more important than you being top dog, you being the one in charge, you doing what your flesh wants to do. You talk about these three here tonight, the olive tree and the fig tree and the vine as far as the grapes. In all the situations, they said, hey, listen, I can't stop what I'm doing because what I'm doing is more important than that. Listen, I know, when we get to heaven, we're going we're gonna to have, obviously, uh, a perfect body, perfect mind. We're going to think like Christ. We can't always see how important it is for what we're doing right now. But the job God's given you in your life to be a mother, to be a father, to be a bus worker, to be a Sunday school teacher. Can I just tell you, if God gave you that job, that's the most important job in the world. We're talking a little bit in uh, teacher's meeting, and it comes to my mind. I honestly think I could be a better president than what we've got going on right now. All right, now I'm not trying to be political. If he's your hero, get right with God. But I'm teasing, but, but church family, can I tell you something? The presidency of the United States is not the most important position. The most important position you could have is God's will for your life. You want to do what God wants for your life. Being the pastor of Heritage Baptist Church is not the most important position for you. Now it is for me because that's God's will for my life. It's not a matter of being a pastor. If God made you a faithful lay layman and God's given you children or grandchildren for you to influence, why would you want to leave the olive oil and the figs and the wine so that you could go do something else that might give you what you think more gratification, more recognition, more blessing? The blessed life is God's will's life. In other words, if you're doing what God wants for your life, that's the best thing you can do. That's the best thing you can do. The storyline is the idea of is their job was too important for them to become president of the trees. That's what they said. I can't stop what I'm doing because what I'm doing, God, hey, there was the olive tree that produced olive oil could not do what the fig tree was doing by producing figs, and the fig tree couldn't do what, what's the other guy? The vine, all right? Sorry, I'm losing my mind tonight. Can I just tell you, all of you are able to do different things that is given to you by God. Do what God's given you to do because that's the most important job. Amen. That's what he's teaching in the story here. He's saying that their job was too important. Too important. You know, in verse number 9, verse 11, verse number 13, the phrase that's used is, should I leave? It's used twice. Then should I forsake? is used once. In other words... What the vine was saying, what the fig tree was saying, what the olive tree was saying, is the trade's not worth it. It's not worth the trade. 
Hey, listen, as a young person, the home that you were born into, well, I just wish I was born into a better family, or I just wish I had a better parent, or I just wish, no, wait a second here. If God's the one that placed the fig tree where it was, and it produced figs, and God placed the uh, vine where it was, and it produced fruit, and God produced, uh, put the olive tree where it was, and it produced olive oil, they didn't have a choice on which one they were going to be. They just did what God put them as. Listen, you've got to stop complaining, and I say this, I'm just talking collectively. We have to stop complaining about what I don't have or what I wish I could or what I, want, what I would like in my life. What I need to understand is that what God gave me is God's will for my life, and I'm going to be satisfied because that's the most important thing I could do because that's what God gave me. When you look in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Amen. As it has pleased him. Listen, I know there are things that happen in our life that we wish would not happen. I know there's things that other people do that affect our life that we have no control over. But can I tell you, you cannot get around the fact that there's still a God that knows who you are and what you're going through in your life. And he didn't say in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God except for. He said, we're supposed to be thankful because this is what God's placed in my life. And by the way, if you're going through a hard time, it could be that the reason you're going through a hard time, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and, 1 and verse 4, is that what we're going through is so that God will allow us to be able to comfort somebody else who are going to go through the same afflictions. The most important thing you can do is God's will for your life. That's the bottom line. Having all the money in the world would never satisfy doing God's will for your life. Having the best job in the world would not satisfy doing God's will for your life. Being married to the most beautiful girl in the world would not satisfy doing God's will for your life. He said, hey, listen, we can't be king. Boy, to be president over the forest, to be the top tree, boy, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? The tree said, no, my vine is more important than being the president of the trees. My olive tree is more important than being the president of the trees. My fig tree is more important than being president of the tree. Can I just tell you, whatever you're doing for the Lord right now might seem small to everybody else, but it's big to God if you're doing his will for your life. Amen. So the first thing we see is that their job was too important. Something else I want you to see that's kind of interesting <clears throat> Uh, I'm going to just point out a couple again. You've got your Bible there. Look back at your Bible. Let me see, show you the verse here again. In verse number nine, but the olive tree said unto them, Should I leave my fatness wherewith by me they honor who? And who else? All right, now, obviously, olive tree, olive oil, it honored God. Maybe tabernacle service, honored man. In verse number 11, he says, But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good to be promoted over the trees? I'm sorry, verse 13. Uh, it says, and the vine said unto them, should I leave my wine, which cheereth God and man? Twice it uses the phrase God and man. The first thing that I see about the parable of trees is that their job was too important. The second thing I see is this, is that serving was more important than being served. Church family, Abimelech didn't see that. Abimelech thought the most important thing is that they all served him. And Gideon, he was just the opposite. It wasn't about how many people were going to follow him, we're going to follow God. Can I tell you that serving people is more important than people serving you? It's not about me, but what can I do for God and man? That's what the olive tree said. That's what the vine said. How is what I'm going to do going to affect God and man? Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each what? Esteem other better than themselves. 
you know, we talk about the, the joy acrostic, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And is that not true to the Christian life, that true joy and true to the Christian life is not about looking inward, it's looking outward and looking upward. It's what I can do for God and what I can do for man. It should not be about what others can do for me. All right, Acts 20, verse 35 is where Paul quoted Jesus when he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. The, uh, the vine and the olive tree was more interested about what they could give to others as far as God and man. I, I can't take time to be president so everybody can follow me or so that I can lead a bunch of people when I have things to do that I can help others with. So in the parable that Jotham is giving, he's saying, hey, listen, the job that God's given you is what's most important. And then he says, our service to others should be more important than people serving us. Now, there's something else that's mentioned in here. I want you to see also. There's a third thing. But look, at it's mentioned three times. In verse number 9, the last phrase of verse number 9 says, this again, the parable of the trees, and go to be promoted over the trees. Verse number 11, last phrase, and go to be promoted over the trees. Verse number 13, last phrase, and go to be promoted over the trees. You know, Jotham is trying to really, trying to get the men of Shechem and Abimelech to see that what they did was wrong. By the way, killing his 70 brethren was wrong enough, but what Abimelech was trying to do is he was trying to make him king. Follow me, let me reign over you. Now, the third principle that I see, because it's mentioned three different times, is to teach this idea is that promotion comes from the Lord. Abimelech is going to die. Three years later, he's going to die. The men of Shechem, going to die. Because promotion does not come because of what we orchestrate. Promotion comes because of what God does in our life. Psalm 75, verse 6 says this. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He put it down one and set it up another. Set up another. We don't have to try to work our way up the corporate ladder at work. God can promote you. That's not just a church verse, by the way. Promotion cometh from the Lord. That's where it comes from. I do not like the mentality or a person saying that I'm going to go take this church and it's going to be a stepping stone for a bigger church. That is so wrong. These are God's people. God's people are not stepping stones. The best thing Brother Mark could have ever said in that meeting with the deacons when, they, when he was asked is, how long do you plan on staying in Topeka? And he said, my life. Amen. That's the best answer a person can give. And God can move anybody that he wants to move. But you don't go into something, and when it comes to church work, I think I'm going to do this just to, just to kind of put it on my resume. Put it on your resume? Church work is not a resume. Promotion comes from God. God is the one that moves us, whether it's secular or whether it's spiritual. God's the, our lives belong to him. We either believe it or not. Do we believe that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord? We either believe it or we don't. We either believe that he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Either he's sleeping or he's not sleeping. We either believe it or we don't. A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. We either believe it or we don't. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. We either believe it or we don't. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? It, it's, either, it's either God knows my path, he knows what's going on in my life, or all of this is an accident. Well, I'm just telling you, it's not an accident. It's not an accident. 
It's not an accident that the person you sit, sit, to, sit next to or, or, or across from in a, in a fast food joint, it's not an accident when you order something at a restaurant and a, and a particular waitress comes to your, to your table or, you, or you're at a, at, a, at, a, at a fast food joint and you're ordering. It's not an accident when you pull next to a car and somebody's sitting in, in the car next to you. It's not an accident when you go through a grocery line and the person who's actually checking you out. Man's goings are of the Lord. It won't be an accident the person you say goodbye to last before you leave the church property tonight. It won't be an accident. You know why? Because God knows exactly where we are, who we're going to be with, and who we're going to speak to. And I want to tell you something. We live our lives so much as, I wonder if God knew that. God knows everything. When Jotham is giving this story, he's reminding them that God is the one that gives promotion. God's the one that sets one up, and he's the one that takes one down. And you go through the scripture, there are people who forgot that premise. Haman forgot that premise, and he got hung on the gallows. Nebuchadnezzar forgot that premise, and he ran like an animal for seven years. Lucifer forgot that premise, and he's still running around like the devil. Promotion comes from God. It's not something that we can just make happen. Now, church, here's the simple thought tonight, okay? The thought is really simple. Abimelech was trying to be king. Gideon was not. That's the whole idea of the parable of the trees. The tree election was all about who's going to be in charge of your life. That's the whole idea. Of the and you know what? When Jotham gives this parable, which is under the inspiration of God, God's trying to remind us, hey, listen, whatever job I gave you, that's the best job you could ever have. Amen. And when it's time for me to promote you, I'll promote you. You don't even have to try. Yeah, I'll make it happen. You know, all of us need to be satisfied with what God's doing in our life and where he places in our life. Listen, I want to tell you something. So many people are living unsatisfied Christian life because they're always trying to figure out how to advance themselves instead of letting God advance them, them for him. You know, if God doesn't want you to have children, he's not going to let you have children. I don't care what people tell you. God's the one that opens the womb. God's the one that closes the womb. Just read the Bible. Well, I'm working really hard so I can have a good 401k. Has it ever dawned on you that all of that could be gone tomorrow? That's right. I, I'm, I'm serious. Y'all think that thing through. In 2008, it happened. You know, I want to tell you something. I would not get too, uh, too much of a handle on, what's, uh, on money right now. Because I want to tell you something. There's no way the government can give all this money away and this thing not crash. It's impossible. And we as Christians don't have to lose faith because guess what? My, the Bible says that, he'll, that the righteous will not be forsaken and his seed will not be begging bread. We're not attached to this stuff that's temporal. We have something that's eternal in the, in the heavens. I don't have to have a big retirement. I don't have to have a big 401k because I want to tell you something. The Antichrist can have it because we're not going to be here to enjoy it. We're going to be walking on streets of gold. I think that's better than your 401k. Abimelech, you're wrong. You are, you're, you're so consumed with people following you that you were willing to kill 70 people. Can I tell you something? We as Christians, if we're not careful, we're willing to do some things that are anti-scriptural just so that we can be king. And God says, hey, listen, you need, you need to understand that what I've asked you to do, what I've got you to do, raising that family for God and staying in church and being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the most important thing that you could do with your life. You being king is not most important. You being the person that's in charge at work is not most important. What's most important is doing my will for your life. And by the way, sometimes God's will for your life is for you to be in charge at work. Promotion comes from God. 
The most important thing I can do is God's will for my life. And as a Christian, serving people is a whole lot more important than people serving me. That's what he's trying to teach him. Of course, Abimelech <laughs> couldn't be taught. God had to kill him. Can, can you see that woman on the top of that tower? You know, I envision that she can see Abimelech. This is just what I envision, okay? I envision she throws that thing down there, and she just watches it go down there, and she sees it hit his skull. And I can almost see her at the top of that mountain. Yes! Do you understand God chose the woman that was going to throw the stone? God guided the stone to his skull. Not his shoulder, not his foot, his skull. And crushed it. You know why? Because man's goings are of the Lord. They are. So realize your job is important. If you're a stay-at-home mom that God's blessed you to where you could do that, then make sure that you raise those children for God and make sure that you're thankful that God gave you a house to clean and a husband that can come home. Don't, don't look at whatever you're doing. If God made you that you're working a secular job and you're being a help meet to your husband and your husband, that's what he chose uh, for you to do, then I want to tell you something. You take God's will for your life and you make sure that you're the best woman possible that helps out at the home. Now listen, I know this is not a family night, but I want to tell you something, husbands. If you've got two, both of you working in the home, Listen, you've got to take into consideration if you're going to have your wife work outside the home. That's between you and God as far as your family. But if you can have your wife be the guide of the house, as the scripture talks about, and you can, then you, then you fellows, when you come home, you ought to be thankful for that. If, you, if your wife is working outside, then you ought to be thankful for that. I want to tell you something. It's the craziest thing in the world in some situations where a fella expects his wife to go out and work on a secular job, and that's between you and God. But if you're going to expect that, then you've got to help her. You can't expect her to be the guide of the house if you're going to have her work a secular job. She's working a secular job. That's fine. It's between you and her. But at the same token, help your wife. You guys get quiet when I talk about stuff like that. God gave you a good woman. You better be thankful God gave you a good woman. Tell you what. Us fellas be in a heap of trouble without those wives, wouldn't we? Wife, I would elbow him right now so he says Amen. Exactly right. All I'm trying to get you to see tonight, it's not about us being king. It's about the Lord reigning over us. And the only way you're going to do that is when you come to the place to realize that your job that God's given you, his will for your life is most important. And when you realize that serving is better than being served, and when you realize that promotion is going to come from God, and then I want to tell you, that's when God does what he wants in your life. And Abimelech was the sore loser out of the whole thing, and it's all because he tried to make himself king. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight? Would you again take these thoughts tonight? Ponder them 